Welcome to the Green Route. You're listening to The Green Route with Mata D Design. We are your hosts, Mark and Diana. For our fifth episode, which just so happens to be our season one wrap, we decided to do something special. We are flipping the script in interviewing each other. The idea is to share a little more about ourselves, our design studio, and what this podcast means to us. You'll also hear a little more about what's coming up in 2024. And spoiler alert, it's pretty exciting. So come along for the ride to hear more about everything that we have to share with all of you. Hey, Mark. Hey, Dee. So this is a little bit of an unusual format for us, as we are typically the interviewers. Uh, as up until this point with our podcast. But today we are going to be both the interviewer and the interviewees. Um, we're really excited to do this special episode for our listeners. No, exactly. That's going to be, I think it's going to be a, a lot of fun. Uh, and um, basically, the idea of the episode is to uh, give it a little bit of a better idea of um, who we are, where we come from, and uh, also where we are, we are heading, because there's a lot of uh, good things to share and uh, good things uh, on the horizon. So uh, does that sound good to you, Dee? Yes, that sounds great. Let's dive in. Yeah, let's do it. Um, okay, so maybe to um, kickstart things, why don't we go for what we could call the the origin story, kind of like where 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 you come from, and let's start, let's start with you. So uh, can you just uh, share with our listeners a little bit uh, who you are, uh, where you come from, and uh, a bit all, all about that. Great. Yeah. Um, so my personal origin story as it relates to Maradi design and how we are where we are today uh, basically begins with the fact that if you would have told me 10 years ago that I would be in my own personal entrepreneurial journey, I don't know that it is that I would not have believed it, but I would have, I mean, I would have had my doubts. I think I would have had a hard time wrapping my head around it. Uh, right now, today, it seems like it was the most obvious and inevitable thing in my path. Um, I just don't think that it was something I could have identified in that way, way back when. Uh, I will say that creativity has always been an outlet for me, and I always imagined myself being in a creative field. I didn't know if it would be more related to art, fashion, uh, interior design, mm -hmm. but it was something that was definitely in my blood. So, you know, that was part of my path in figuring out how to translate that into a career. I will also say that on a personal level for me, um, I really invested a lot in having my international experience. I studied French. I lived in France for a long time. Uh, part of my studies were there. I would say young adulthood and the beginning of my career was built in France. And it was definitely something that I knew I wanted to be a part of my life, that, that multicultural aspect. Mm -hmm. So from there, it was kind of about how do I tie together you know, this, this creativeness, this multicultural urge and desire, um, which sort of, I think is why I go back to, it was always going to be entrepreneurship because I needed to make up the thing that I wanted to do. <laughs> um, that's a bit of my own story. Why don't you share Mark with the listeners? Because your story I know is quite different than my own. That's yeah, that's, that's true. Um, cause as you, if you say for you, uh, entrepreneurship was uh, not in the cards uh, uh, when you were younger uh, for me basically that's uh, I mean I, I could say that's in my DNA because um, basically um, you know was, I was served uh, entrepreneurship to at breakfast since birth uh, in, my, in my house <laughs> um, my dad uh, in France was a pretty successful um, real estate developer and uh, so that being so the you know 
entrepreneurship as a whole, but also uh, built, the built-in environment was also something that was always uh, talked about in the Jean Baird uh, household in France. Uh, and I, I must say that in my uh, my uh, you know young young uh, life and and uh, teenagehood it was always something in the back of my head. I knew that I wanted to create my own business and do my own thing. Uh, and uh, yeah, that, that was definitely something that was always always in, in the back of my head. And as far as uh, interior design, I mean, somehow this something that's always uh, was appealing to me. Um, funny enough, because my dad was worked a lot in the outside of the house, like the building the walls and all those things. <laughs> but uh, the interiors was uh, were always always uh, some somehow um, an afterthought. So uh, <laughs> actually, it's kind of funny because uh, now I realize it's kind of uh, going full circle in that sense, uh, dealing yeah, with the closing interiors. Closing the loop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah in, that, in in some ways. So yeah, no, uh, <laughs> actually, it's quite funny. Um, it is. So maybe. Uh, on your end, uh, so what brought you to uh, entrepreneurship? What's what's this crazy idea that you uh, you were ready to embark with me on uh, on this journey? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a great question. And funny enough, if my story begins with never having imagined it, uh, our story together, for me, it was like the one the one true and certain thing from the beginning of us having an idea to, you know, what do we want to build together? It just, it, it was the best way to describe it is that it was so natural and organic and, you know, at the risk of sounding, you know, like a cliche, that is the honest truth. Um, I think I'll, I'll speak from, you know, my end of how I saw it, even though I know we agree, you know, I think for us, coming back to the Midwest after being in France and we had some time in New York, uh, we really just saw an opportunity for Maradi design to push the barriers of traditional American design. We talk about that all the time that in our creative capacity, it is all about changing the terrain mm -hmm. and showing people what is possible beyond just the things that they're imagining. Um, we, between the two of us, are a Franco-Serbian-American pair who ourselves have together and separately lived in a lot of different places. Mm -hmm. So we know and we understand the concept that people can live differently, that there is not just one formula of how you can do things, that there's many ways to imagine it. And I, and I um, think also um, one thing that we uh, say all the time, uh, and I think it's key as well in the way we, uh, we do things, is... Uh, also create that, that bridge between the, the different cultures. So uh, basically ima imagining as all, pretty much like they, they feed from each other, right? Like uh, the American side can can feed into the French one and the Serbian one and, and vice versa. And I think <laughs> this is definitely something that we bring to the table. And even um, in uh, sometimes also changing, you know, what things that could be uh, um, people say, oh, we have to do that. And coming from other cultures, we, all, we see that, well, well, sometimes you can just do it differently, and that's okay. Uh, and and knowing that it, it happens in different ways, that's definitely something I think is uh, is interesting. Well, and I think that's part of our process and what we do is we we, for lack of you know a, a better expression, we do like to challenge our our clients with you know with that concept of why do you think that it needs to be done this way. Um, and one point that I do think, Mark, we definitely need to address because we know it comes up a lot. Uh, with friends, with clients, um, almost in every capacity, is the fact that we are a couple that is married mm -hmm. in life <laughs> and also uh, <laughs> married professionally, let's put it that way. Sure. Uh, we do both things together. And as so many people have pointed out and brought up to us, you know, that I think is the number one question we get is how do we do it? And I'll give my answer, and I think it would be interesting for you to give your perspective, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, it's not for everyone. I, I, I definitely can see and understand why every couple doesn't work together. Mm -hmm. um, but for us, it, it was such, I go back to what I said, such a natural and organic path to, to us making this decision together. I feel like we didn't even have to spend so much time discussing it. It just, it felt so right. And it also felt so necessary. Like mm 
for all the challenges that come with being, you know, a business older, a business owner, excuse me, you know, I couldn't imagine it doing, I couldn't imagine doing it with anyone else in any other way. Um, we are extremely complementary in our creativeness Mm -hmm. and we feed each other. I'd say like, you know, on the creative side of the business, it is 50, 50. Um, and we just, we, we flow and mesh so well together in that capacity. And that's special. And that's, I think any creative relationship, when you know, you have that with someone, you can't overlook it, you know, because Mm -hmm. that that's so powerful. And maybe if I can weigh in on more the, you know, because I, again, as, as always going to throw in there my, my French perspective, uh, this, this, because the, I think the main, the main thing that could be um, problematic in those kind of, um, you know, business, personal relationship thing is all about the balance. Because uh, again, you, you, it's not like you close your computer, you start being an entrepreneur. And it's not because you open your company, you stop being, um, you know, husband and, and wife. So it's, <laughs> it's all about creating those, 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 mo- the being intentional, I guess, that, that thing, this is the yeah. best thing to put it and, um, making sure that, uh, one thing doesn't, you know, overflow on the other. And, and of course, sometimes, well, we, we do have to add like, longer hours and things like that, but we, I think we, we're yeah. doing a pretty good job at, you know, keeping it, um, balanced as much as it, as it can be. So would you say that one of our secret weapons is communication? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and balance. That's that's uh, that's definitely true. Yeah, I, I would say that. Um, maybe uh, another. Um, it's not so secret because we talk a lot about it. Uh, another secret weapon that we have is our passion for sustainability, because uh, I think it's also you know the main reason why this podcast exists. Even if we we all come back to it. Um, yeah. but maybe can you, can you, uh, elaborate a bit more on, um, where your interest and passion for, uh, for sustainability, uh, uh, came from? Sure. Uh, well, I'll go back to, you know, today where I stand and, and these are always funny questions because reflecting anything in life is a journey. And I think it's important to reflect on that journey and the things that, you know, bring us to where we are. So for me, you know, I would say that I had a pretty typical and standard Midwestern upbringing. The twist or caveat to that was that, you know, I had a multicultural upbringing. My family is Serbian. Yeah. Not so typical. Very, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not so typical, that aspect of it. You know, I mean, we preserve, practice the culture, the traditions uh, pretty, pretty significantly, you know. Um, it's not just in passing, like it's embedded in you know, all things about my family. So, you know, young girl growing up in the Midwest, having this, you know, caveat, um, you know, the, the thing that ties that all is that I grew up in an immigrant family. So immigrant culture, what did that mean? Well, as a kid, that meant reusing things. That meant being being really intentional on consumption. You were not just throwing things away. You know, you're using things until the end of its life cycle, um, you know, you want something new, it's typically questioned, you know, because I grew up to, you know, obviously my parents, but my grandparents had a huge influence on my life. And they especially had, you know, deep anchors in that sort of mentality. So things that I didn't like as a kid, which, you know, we talk about the silly example all the time, reusing Ziploc bags Mm -hmm. as a kid, (laughs) that didn't make sense to me. You know, you're growing or you're growing up and unfortunately, you know, the fast world of, you know, Ziploc bags, single use plastic, which now, you know, kills me, but something that my grandparents and, you know, my parents to a certain extent, it's like, it was always about reusing it. Nothing's wrong with it. Um, you know, and again, apply that to X, Y, Z as a kid, those things were, you know, I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. And it wasn't necessarily motivated from saving the planet and being sustainable within my family, but it was about using things. It was about being responsible because, you know, you didn't always have in your life. And, you know, for them, they didn't always have previously. So it was about being thoughtful Mm -hmm. and not just disposing of things that easily. And I would say those were the beginning stepping stones for me that, you know, things that really stuck with me that I do think had a degree of influence, um, 
you know, to today's where, where I stand. Um, those are, those are sort of the big, the big nuggets for me. Cool. And, and I think also you, um, if I remember correctly, and again, <laughs> I guess I know, I know it, but, uh, also you, uh, your, um, time in France also, I think had, had an influence on you, uh, in the way you, you saw One, things. Yeah, 100%. That was, that was a big thing for me. Um, you know, if as a kid, it was marked by those, you know, moments and those concepts, mm -hmm. um, moving to France as a young adult, I quickly understood and I would say adopted new habits. I mean, you know, inherently living in Paris, you're living in smaller spaces. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you're, no you're choice. downsizing and exactly. And being more, more thoughtful and intentional on what you're consuming because you don't have storage mm -hmm. space. You can't just shove things into an extra closet, an extra bedroom, the basement, whatever it is. So that was the beginning for me of thinking about my stuff and how I was organizing my stuff, you know, and, and what I was purchasing and, and, you know, what I would maybe trade in or send off to, you know, secondhand mm -hmm. market, whatever it was. Um, I would say that extended to all aspects because that, you know, wasn't just about your personal belongings that also translated into grocery shopping, you know, and, and, and how you're grocery shopping, you're not buying in bulk. You're not, you know, you're not buying once every two weeks, you're going to the grocery store every day, every other day, because you're literally buying, you know, only for one or two meals. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not this concept of you go with your big, you know, with your big grocery cart and you're filling it up for two weeks of, you know, meals that is completely foreign. And in fact, I remember having that conversation with French friends mm -hmm. who, you know, found it hilarious and ridiculous, which in some ways it is. Um, but my point is the, that was, that was hugely monumental. And for me, the big like realization, and I'd say full on switch that I was conscious of, because again, I think that that was being planted while I lived in France, it was coming back to the U S with you. And I had major reverse culture shock that you of course remember. Mm -hmm. Um, but it really was this moment of, oh my goodness, the amount of consumption and the amount of stuff is crazy. There was a period of time that I think I got a little bit sucked back into it when we were back and like quickly, you know, pulled myself out of the vacuum. But I understand how it happens. I totally get how mm -hmm. it happens. But I think that just like I was so shocked. Maybe I, I, I can't say if I was more shocked than you or not, but I know that I was just like, I couldn't get over it. And so slowly, you know, and, and still having my connection to France and talking to friends there. And I realized that the thought of sustainability in different aspects from secondhand shopping to being more thoughtful on, you know, recycling and disposing of things just became more and more part of my daily life. And I am a person who has a little bit of an obsessive nature. So that is what it became. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, you know, I've gone on campaigns. How can I recycle or repurpose every single thing that I have and I use. Mm. And, you know, we're lucky to be in a place like Chicago in the Midwest, where there's a lot of really cool initiatives that, Absolutely. you know, allow for those things and support those types of things. Absolutely. Um, but for you, Mark, you had, again, once again, <laughs> a much different sort of, you know, entrance or introduction into sustainability and kind of what that meant in life. Yeah. Well, for me, uh, again, it's, it's always funny uh, looking back at those things because as if entrepreneurship was from my, my dad's side, uh, I would say sustainability is definitely from my mom. Um, my mom was, I mean, she's not necessarily like a, an activist per se, but definitely like in uh, in our house, she was always pushing for, you know, organic food and uh, obviously reusing things, more natural, no less chemical, you know, things like that. So Definitely something that I grew up. I grew up like uh, you know surrounded by. I would say. Uh, I guess my first uh, thing was uh, I, I as a as a young because I, I think I was yeah I was probably even, yeah like a, or not even a teenager even before that. Anyway, uh, I was selling um, organic food at a stand in a, a farmers market in my, in my hometown. So that was kind of like my first <laughs> my first uh, uh, direct connection with with sustainability. I guess. Yeah. Um, and then it was always something, you know, with me. And, and when I, um, when I went to, to Montreal for my, um, for my college in business school, uh, I got involved a bit more in the, in the subject because, you know, Canada's, and they do a lot of things about those things. And that was something yeah. in, in vogue for sure. 
Um, so I, I, I um, participated in writing the first um, sustainability guideline for my my business school, which was a cool experience. That's incredible. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, that was that was very uh, very cool and uh, super interesting. Um, and then from there, like uh, for me, was it? I was like, okay, my, I need to work in, in sustainability. And um, so coming out of uh, of business school, I became a uh, um, sustainability consultant so the my role was basically going to, into um, consult with companies and measure their carbon carbon footprint so yeah. basically you go and you uh, you you analyze every single thing every single thing they're doing how they are shipping their 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 products how they, they produce it uh, how the employees are coming to the office all those things and you pull it all together in a nicely uh, in a nice uh, excel sheet and you figure out what's the number and then from there you're trying to figure out what are the, the strategies to minimize that that impact and what we yeah. can do to make it better so that was definitely yeah. a super super interesting experience and uh, very insightful as well because again something as silly as um, you know like when when a company make a decision between shipping things by plane versus by boat right the impact yeah. is just huge and this is just uh, i mean it's the no comparison even so you can Absolutely. really see like the, those little things uh, then trickle down into, you know, uh, again, we'll, we'll talk more about that. But uh, I don't know, like when you order something, do you need it like right away? Can you wait a little bit more so that it can come by, you know, more sustainable, you know, uh, ways, I guess. Yeah. Is there a more local way of ordering things? I mean, you know, to that, to yeah. that matter. Absolutely. And so and after that, um, for me, um, that was always something in, in with me, I guess, in any job I've done or uh, mm-hmm. things that endeavors I had and and I guess when we started Marty Design that was definitely something that I wanted to uh, implement in the company and uh, if I remember correctly I mean um, we'll talk more about that but uh, I think that was definitely something that we uh, we said from the get-go like this is we wanted this company to have a sustainability uh, leg and aspect to it I mean that was that was yeah. definitely something well it's it's funny because We've talked about it many times, but when we decided to take the, you know, take the leap together and in those early days of sitting in our little apartment with the poster board that we bought and, you know, using our sticky notes to create the sort of key concepts and elements of what Maradi design would be. uh, I remember we wrote so many different words, you know, what we wanted, like how we wanted to represent what we were doing. And you know, something that came up time and time again was intentionality mm-hmm. and being really intentional and in how we were designing. And to me, this was one of the earliest concepts because it was all about, you know, breaking some of the barriers of traditional American design. So for us, it was like, okay, we want to be more intentional with spaces. We want people to think about what they actually need. And we want to be designing spaces for those needs, not just to fill it, not just because of catalogs. And where I want to bring that back to is, we didn't necessarily have all of the vocabulary that we have today of what we're doing and the fact that sustainability is is now we know embedded in the DNA of our company. Mm-hmm. But you know, words like intentionality came up. We talked about environment. We talked about. I think you and I we were trying to remember. I think we had the word sustainable I'm on there. Pretty sure we did. Yeah. You know, and understanding what that meant and how that what role that played in the company that we were building. Um, You know, it took time, I think, to figure out all the components, you know, and chime in here if you have other, you know, other, other thoughts about that building process. Exactly. I I was. And I think um, one thing I would say is that, you know, as we were building this, this company, uh, I think we felt the need to um, uh, be more serious about, you know, how, how we deal with those, those issues in our in our work and this is where we went yeah. into certifications and trainings and stuff like that yeah. uh because i think yeah. it's you know you vocabulary obviously but also methodology and and you know yeah trying to understand a bit more like the science behind it uh and and yeah. have some concrete like uh solutions to offer to yeah. uh maximize our impact and the way we can yeah. make our, our our projects more more efficient and more sustainable well, and I think that it's really important here for us to, you know, address the fact that 
it was something that became such a core tenant in our personal lives. I mean, I remember, I remember exactly when I started to go on my whole binge Mm -hmm. of freaking out about the consumption factor Mm -hmm. and like doing a full audit of our apartment and going through stuff and figuring out like, okay, we have too much stuff. We have doubles of things. Like we went through it again, it wasn't overnight, but it was that mixed with that idea of how do we dispose of things? Like we don't want to just throw things away. So that became, my point is that became such a personal thing that we, we live, I mean, we live and breathe it and that's been the case for a while. So translating that into our work was so important. And I think now, you know, five years in to, to the company, you know, we, as you said, have gone through many certification programs. We've worked on getting like the gold standard of healthy materials, um, you know, the top of the top in terms of built environment education. Mm-hmm. We continue to grow with continued education um, from seminars and conferences and you know, and also I think surrounding ourselves with other experts and other people in the field and, you know, and leaning on, on those, um, you know, on those people, because that's, you know, more knowledge and sharing and all of that. And, and I think that it just was, again, very easy for us to, it, it just was always a part of what we were doing, you know, and we've just been able to like grow that and make it a pillar in, in everything that we do Absolutely. in Madidi design, which is really, really exciting. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to one of one of the the results of that growth has been our podcast, The Green Route with Madidi Design. Uh, so why don't we talk a little bit more about what is this project about? Why? Mm-hmm. I know we both have a lot of thoughts and yeah. things that we'd like to share. Well, the first thing I would say is um, obviously, I mean, I feel like it's this, this kind of thing, like as an entrepreneur, when something doesn't exist, you want to build it. I think that was kind of like the yeah. the, the idea that uh, brought this project. Because obviously there's a lot of podcasts out there. There's a, a lot about sustainability as well. But when it comes to that very subject, it, oftentimes it's very um, technical, uh, go very, like very specific. And I think I was missing something where you can have people from different different uh, walk of life or different industries, different on different subtopics, not necessarily being super like um, experts uh, in the, the the type of conversation that's happening. But yeah. I would say um, being able to offer this perspective about around around sustainability because the one yeah. thing I would say, and I think we we kind of like felt it a bit. Uh, even if you know we, we're tenacious and curious, so we we figure out a yeah. way to uh, understand it better. But this is definitely something where you um, you can feel overwhelmed very fast yeah. because it's a huge, Absolutely. huge task. Uh, there's a lot that can be done, and yeah. usually when you have you have a lot that can that can be done, then you look at it as like oh my god, and then you don't do anything. So yeah. this is kind of like, I think, where we come in um, with this podcast because we, we really want to give people and our listeners um, yeah. things that to think about and, and things to yeah. walk away with. Because I think this is, this, yeah. is, uh, this is one of the big, uh, uh, big objective of, uh, of, uh, of, my, of um, the Green Route, sorry, and my design yeah. as well, but the Green Route definitely, yeah. um, to, uh, to offer people solutions and, and things yeah. that you can implement in your day-to-day life. Absolutely. I think that that was fully and completely behind the intention. And I will also add that, you know, just to your point, Mark, of, of how overwhelming the climate crisis can feel about, you know, all of these different topics that are dropped in news and media, sort of, sort of in a half-hearted way. And, you know, sometimes it's super alarmist and, and it can just really feel like as an individual, sometimes you, it it feels so incredibly overwhelming and overpowering that there's just simply nothing that you could ever do to make any sort of difference. Mm -hmm. So it goes to that point of you just give up before you even really begin. And, And I think that we have done, again, going back to, we've spent a lot of time in our certification process, a lot of time educating ourselves, a lot of time with, you know, different experts and, and, and like-minded people and people that are really passionate about 
developing and providing different solutions for, you know, all the different pillars and aspects that we're all, you know, dealing with. And the point was to bring about exactly what you said, actionable, actionable items, but more so also breaking it down into nuggets of how you can consider things. You know, I mean, when we look back at just this first season, you know, we had someone who was talking about building envelopes, Allie, who's a contractor, you know, and it's like, she's not necessarily someone that, you know, is, is, you know, preaching on the topic of everything sustainable all the time. But for her, she's addressing the issue through a really specific and attainable uh, solution that, again, may not be relevant to people who aren't renovating or who aren't building houses. But for those that are, that maybe don't know Mm -hmm. about building envelopes and what that means and why that's something you could consider, you know, that uh, talking to Sasha, who owns a low waste shop. I mean, we got a lot of feedback from that episode with people like, from everything like I didn't know what that was to, oh my gosh, this is absolutely attainable and I, I can get on board with this, you know, mm-hmm. to bringing up, you know, a guest like Haley, where we talked about trends in sustainability and tax incentives yeah. Everyone pays, to pays make taxes. your house more sustainable. <laughs> exactly. It's, it literally is relevant well, you, with every If you don't, you, you should. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a little, little discretion. Um, but, you know, I would say then we also talked, you know, Laura, who, again, another journalist and author, all about small living. She She's an expert in in that subject matter. And, and it was just, it was great to to come at it from all these different avenues. Yeah. I think that's the point too, you know, how do we, um, how do we address it? And as individuals, there's so many different ways to do it. So I think our goal is really about bringing up different things that people have or have not considered, but yeah. just giving them ways to implement and, and to reconsider. And as, and as you uh, often say, and I, I, would, I would quote you here, uh, knowledge is power. And that's, that's definitely something that uh, this is what we want to do. We want to empower people to live a better yeah. and more sustainable life. So we've yeah. basically stay tuned because uh, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll keep bringing those nuggets and not necessarily everything can be applied. Um, but I think in every episode, there's something, there's a, take, there's a takeaway, something that you can, you can, you yeah. can um, walk away with and uh, that can be uh, super helpful. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. So what, um, why don't we, um, now that we talk about, you know, how we, how we get, we got there and what we're doing with this podcast, um, why don't we transition to the, to the future and uh, the, yeah. what's coming next? Because I think there's also uh, a lot of good stuff to, to share with our, with our audience. Yeah. So if we begin just with what's next on the podcast front. So the Green Route with Maradi Design is going to be back next season, season two. Uh, the launch will be in February and we are super, super excited. We're getting the hang of this whole thing, uh, figuring out, you know, our own format, but we're really excited for our guests for next season. We pretty much have everything lined up, which is great. Our season launch is going to be incredible. Uh, our listeners can expect, uh, episodes about once every month, like four to six ish weeks. Uh, that's the tempo that, that works for now for us. And, you know, again, we're going to continue as we have been with subject matters as they pertain to sustainability. And, you know, we've said it before, but it's not limited to the built environment or to our specific industry. It's really about that holistic approach. Uh, We also are always open to ideas and subject matters and guests that you would like to And feedback as well. Yes, of course. You can only grow and learn from feedback. So absolutely. Um, But that's something that we want to put out there that we try to make it as easy as possible for people to get in touch with us, you know, regarding, regarding the podcast and just thoughts that they may have. Yeah. Um, And also um, one cool, cool little nugget for the next season is we, uh, we're expanding the, um, the guest profiles and uh, we're going global uh, because we, uh, (laughs) we want to, we want to bring some, uh, some European guests uh, in, in the podcast. So, 
Um, you'll see, I, don't, I, I cannot tell you more, but you, you'll, you'll see soon <laughs> some very interesting people that do some very cool stuff uh, in, in Europe, not just in France, in Europe in general. I just I said Europe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That will have a lot, of, a lot of cool things to share and that can be used anywhere in the world. So stay, stay tuned yeah. for that. Yeah, exactly. And that also leads to, on the European front at least, uh, although we are not limited to only Europe, that sure. is just part of the direction for next season, but global it is. So if you have, uh, you know, idea for a guest or a subject matter that brings us elsewhere in the world, we are open. Um, but on the European end, Mark, I'll let you do the honors of yeah. announcing the exciting news. So uh, we're also going global with uh, Maradi Design, uh, and we are officially opening uh, a company in France to uh, basically, we, I mean, for people that kind of follow what we were doing on the design front, uh, we've been doing projects in France here and there. Uh, and we've decided, we, so it was always a goal of ours to um, expand business uh, in that that corner of the world. Um, but uh, we, make, we just want to make it official and uh, have uh, an, an official presence in the country. And we'll, we'll have some uh, cool things to share as well on that front. Uh, yeah. Super excited. Uh, this is really, really uh, something uh, we've been uh, waiting for a long time to develop. And now is the time, 2024, that's, that's happening. Yeah. That's exactly, that's happening. And... With the Maradi Design France launch, um, again, as Mark said, more to come on that because we have some exciting things to share and we have some really, really exciting work mm -hmm. and projects that will be happening. Uh, obviously, continuing with you know everything that is sustainability within our projects, but on the sort of overall front, we continue with our interior design services and consulting, but we're really, really excited to launch a new branch of our services, which is Maradi Sustainability Consulting. And essentially this is a service that is targeted towards architects, contractors, other interior designers and developers. We found that as we were working on different projects, there was a lot that we had to share on sustainable options and how we could make our projects more sustainable. And obviously those are decisions and discussions that are shared with the entire design team, architects, contractors, when developers are involved. And there's a need to share that knowledge and to embed these sustainable solutions into projects. So very natural and very normal sort of uh, transition, not a uh, full transition, growth, I'd say, into mm -hmm. that space, because we do see a need for other industry professionals and peers who, again, are interested in creating more sustainable solutions within their own projects. We are here to consult, and we're really excited. That just launched this fall, so brand new um, in terms of like official packaging and all of that, yeah. um, and ready to do that anywhere in the world exactly There's no no limit on this one that can be done yeah. anywhere so very very excited for for that for sure so no that's uh, that's awesome uh, yeah. enough of the work stuff let's uh let's transition to uh one thing that if if you are a regular of this podcast you you know we ask all our guests the same questions at the end because <laughs> I, I think it's always a, an interesting little nugget to give uh, to our listeners and i guess since it's uh it's just the two of us today. Uh, <laughs> I think we, we would like to ask each other those, uh, those questions. For sure. Let's do it. So uh, let's start with you, Dee, because uh, you always have okay. uh, smart things to say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that, sure, sure. that first question is, um, if someone is at the beginning of their sustainability journey, where should they start in your opinion? So I would say my question is twofold, but first, right off the bat, uh, buying secondhand, vintage, reusing within your own house and within your own inventory. Um, I know some people, it's a generational thing. I think it hits different, you know, for different generations. But there is something to be said about secondhand, vintage, antiques even. Mm -hmm. So there is one category of clothing. Absolutely. Some people can't get on board. I'd say if you can't do that, then learn to mend your own clothing so that you are disposing of less. 
Um, but then there's the whole entire component of, you know, furniture and what we do, uh, kitchenware. You know, there are beautiful antique China plate sets in the world that have been used and have been around for a long time that are looking for a new home and that are a much better investment than perhaps, you know, Ikea. I'm not knocking Ikea, but the answer is not always buying brand new. That's that's the point of what I want to say mm-hmm. is I think that everyone should reconsider when there's something to purchase if it has to be brand new. So start with that question. Does it have to be? And is there a way that you can get it not brand new? And then my other segment to, you know, where everyone should start is avoid vinyl at all costs. What do I mean by vinyl? LVT, luxury vinyl tile. So vinyl flooring, the thing that has become ubiquitous, like there is no context and no situation in which vinyl anything is the right answer. Not for flooring, not for siding, not for windows, not never. Um, Vinyl is made from petroleum. It's a tough manufacturing process. It's impossible to destroy and destruct. So that means it'll sit in landfills Mm -hmm. and it's highly toxic. Um, isn't it? Uh, I won't go. Isn't it? Isn't it uh, the chemical that was in the train in uh, East Palestine that? Uh, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. So from what was that last year already? Yes, the big train crash um, and the toxic uh, plume that was you know looming over the town. Uh, that was thanks to part of the chemicals that are used for vinyl flooring. So if it was toxic and made an entire town evacuate, imagine when you're putting it in your house and people are walking on it and you're living in that day in and day out, not trying to be an alarmist, but you know, it's become such a huge contender in the market. And the only way that we can push it out is by educating more people. Mm. We'll add some links um, in our show notes about that for anyone that may be curious to just educate themselves and learn what it is and 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 why they shouldn't use it. And there's definitely also uh, alternative options. This is the thing that, there's plenty of things yes. you can use in, uh, outside of that. And again, that's... To just... meet your budget too. Because the argument is often budget. So yeah. um, yes, thank you, Mark. You said it. Um, why don't you tell us, Mark, where uh, in... If someone's just beginning their sustainability journey, where should they start? So uh, for me, and actually this one is uh, thanks to you, um, we've <laughs> put in place in our, in our house, I think it was uh, three or four years ago, uh, composting. And I must say, this is game changing. This is the thing that, uh, this is crazy how much our uh, garbage, the regular garbage is uh, basically, we, we almost never have to take it out. Uh, I would yeah. say like we can, we, can, we can hold off for like two to three weeks before uh, throwing away anything. Uh, your garbage doesn't smell anymore. Um, and um, you, uh, you, the thing is in the US, I mean, we're lucky there is a lot of services available, especially if you live in a bigger city, uh, in, in the Midwest at least. Uh, I, know, I know there's a lot of solution everywhere, but you know there's things available. And even if you don't have a, a, a garden or a, an outdoor space, if you live uh, like yeah. us in an apartment, you can, you can, you yeah. can do uh, composting. It's not an issue. Uh, yeah. and, and you're going to, again, it's such a game changer. I think, uh, again, I, I knew it was uh, something cool to do, but like, now yeah. I'm like uh, preaching this because this is this is just everyone should be composting. This is the easiest thing to do. The low hanging fruit, and yeah. um, again, from from a carbon perspective, we know that food waste is the thing that uh, one of this, the biggest. A, yeah, yeah, there's a huge huge impact. I mean, we don't realize that, but by doing yeah. composting, basically you're turning into um, a fert- fertile uh, soil, and uh, yeah. from there you can grow something else. So again, it's yeah. a, it's a cool like. Uh, full circle thing to do and i think everyone should do it and again we'll make sure to put some links in the show notes because yeah. again super easy you, you just you can just try try for 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 a few weeks for a month for two months six months whenever mm-hmm. just do it because yeah. this is really the thing that's amazing uh and i just want to add because it makes me think we've talked about this composting is one thing that we both grew up with mm-hmm. in different ways i know you said that yeah. your you know family not in like the the modern way composting that we look at it but like literally throwing scraps yeah. in the yard and figuring out like around the garden i know i grew up with that i know in serbia when i would go and visit mm-hmm. that's what family in the village did. and it's funny because right it was like 
the normal thing yeah, then, absolutely. you know, and in certain contexts. And now it's, be, I mean, and good, good thing that there are these campaigns and that you're able to compost in a city that's no longer a barrier yeah, or absolutely, you know, an yeah. issue. So no reason not to do it. Yes. Agreed. Uh, let's move on to the, the second one. Uh, so what's one, th one thing that you learned about sustainability that you wished you would have, you would have learned earlier? Yes. I love this question. And, um, my answer is, uh, my answer is that this was only a few years ago when we were in the U S and it's that type of thing that you can hear something a hundred times, but. 101 from a certain person in a certain context just strikes differently than the first 100 times. And I will remember this moment very vividly with our friends. We were at a friend gathering and one of our friends' fathers was there. And at this point, he was a man in his, you know, late 60s or 70s, uh, pretty like progressive overall on sustainability and just, you know, trying to control his carbon footprint And we were having a casual conversation about electric cars, I think. Mm -hmm. And however it led to, you know, he said, the one principle that everyone should live by is you don't buy something unless you get rid of something, you know, and what he meant and what I took out of it was controlling your consumption because it's easy to just take things in and just consume and not really deal with what you already have. And that's why, you know, that's why there's food waste. That's why we buy doubles of things and all of that. I just, it hit me so well. And I personally have taken that on as, uh, you know, as a, as a principle of life. Uh, and, and I do think that I, I stick by that pretty, mm -hmm. you know, pretty intentionally. So shout out to Jimbo on that one, because that was major and really something that just influenced a lot for me from that point on. Um, what about you, Mark? What was one thing that you have learned about sustainability that you wish you would have learned earlier? So um, one thing that I would say, uh, and again, that's something that was kind of like embedded uh, for me. And as we talked about the, the reverse uh, culture shock earlier, Uh, this is one thing also when you, when you leave your country and you live away from it, there's some stuff that you realize you're like, oh yeah, that's, we do that there and here we don't do it. Um, <laughs> so uh, this thing is um, you, consuming uh, f um, food, and, food and vegetables in season. Yeah. Seems like a crazy concept, I know, <laughs> but this is what everyone should be doing. And that's yeah. true that coming to America, one thing that was surprised is, again, we, right now in month of December, we can find perfectly good um, strawberries and it's not yeah. strawberry season. Strawberry season, strawberries grow in the spring and, and, and in summer. And here you can yeah. find it. Um, no problem. Again, there's no, there's not, nothing, nothing done about that. You can, you can basically eat the same thing all, all year long. Uh, yeah. Where like, uh, again, um, in France, uh, especially again, it wasn't always like, like that, but they, I, definitely something that's been pushed on, on consumers more and more. But there's a com this campaigns happening where uh, they're trying to educate people on like, okay, it's the winter. So that means that, well, you should probably eat more. I mean, you can only eat apples, for example, apples and pears. That, that's the season. Uh, and yeah, veggies, that sucks, but it's, it's potatoes, potatoes and cabbage. And that's, that's, how, it, that's how it goes. And the good stuff comes. But yeah. also what's, what's uh, amazing is you can... Uh, You can can stuff in the in the the summertime, yeah. and then you can consume it. This is why also we do it because you preserve things and yeah. you to have it later down the line and still have yeah. this taste of. I mean, I've done it one year. You buy a ton of tomatoes, you make tomatoes tomato yeah. sauce, and in the winter you're so happy to open that tomato can because it tastes just as just like uh, summer. Uh, yeah. And you the um, the carbon footprint of that tomato is uh, way better than if you and it also tastes better to be honest. Than tomatoes yeah. that you would buy in the middle of the the winter. So, some yeah. again, something as stupid, not stupid, but as simple as that. Yes. Yep. And uh, as as had a, a huge impact. And the 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 other thing I would add to to that is also again, um, you and I have been uh, now vegetarian for uh, almost two years now. A, year and a yeah. good year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Also, obviously, the best thing to do to reduce your your own impact. I know it's 
could, could seem like um, uh, extreme to some people, which again, I totally get. Uh, but at least reducing your uh, meat consumption is uh, yeah. definitely something that it's super easy to do. You, you don't have to like yeah. completely turn your world upside down, but the yeah. impact is just incredible and really, really, uh, I mean, it makes a difference. Yeah. This, it's, not, it's not a nothing thing. And I think everyone should consider that at least. So. Yeah. Well, the power, the power in like a collective effort, because in order for any, for any shift to actually occur, it needs to come from, you know, the collective and that begins on the individual level, obviously. But um, I love Mark, what you say about seasonality, because yeah, it's something that is not practiced as much, mm -hmm. generally speaking in, in the U S as maybe other places, but that's a really, really good. Um, that's a really, really great reminder for people that, that exists that, that, that it's not normal to eat all the things i would say that and also if you if you're able to go to your local uh farmer's market because yeah. the best this is the the easiest way to buy yeah. buy a product in season because if again yeah. it's produced next to where you live so you're gonna have the, yeah. the product in seasons absolutely that's a that's a great nugget of of information and uh advice for listeners so uh, I think that this yeah, I pretty think, much I concludes. We, I think we did it. <laughs> yeah, I think we did. That's that's uh, season one in in review and little uh, little more about you know the motivation of this project. So Absolutely, yeah. So again, we'll make sure to uh, put as much as we the the things we talked about in the show notes because if people want to dig yeah. deeper. Uh, please yeah. reach out if you have any questions or things that we've mentioned we yeah. didn't put in the show notes or you want more information always always happy to share again there's always so much to share but like if you you just have to reach out and we will we'll send you all the information you, you need uh, yeah. and in the meantime um, we'll see you for uh, season two yeah stay tuned uh, in the mean meantime Mark, I'll see you back at the office. Okay, see you soon. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. That's the show for today. We're glad you tuned in. Check out the show notes for more information about what we discussed in this special season wrap episode. As always, if you enjoyed the show, hit the subscribe button and share with a friend. We would also love to hear from you, so feel free to reach out. Until next season, debuting February 2024, See you down the green route.